So as I'm suggesting and place it once again into your attention, dynamic nature of experience is fundamental to Buddhist understanding. Everything is changing, changeable, very uh, standard expression. Everything is relative, conditioned, standard expression. There is an unconditioned or uh, a way in which this dynamic can be, uh, the conditioning forces behind it can be quietened or stilled or released from. Through a particularly dynamic involvement with dynamics. <laughs> you have to relate to it, handle it, work with it, step back from it, uh, investigate it. The, the dynamic involvement with dynamics. Um, to the point where the tangle of the dynamics which give the appearance of fixed substantial entities that is like a knot that's unraveled or is no longer concocted so it begins to loosen and there's a release of the heart in that tangle jitta awareness heart becomes awareness this is the deathless the Buddha says the heart released from all clinging when the heart anupada with no foundation, no basis this is deathlessness chitta of no foundation, no basis no clinging ok so another very key term so I've talked about energy I'm using this as a very easy access word uh, to cover what's called sankara in, in uh, Buddhist language. Mm. So this is generally translated as formation, though there are many, many different translations of it. Fabrication uh, is one, um, conditioning is one, Conditions another one, um, dependencies is one, uh, and several others. And you see, you know, there's a struggle with the words because none of these words really get you anywhere. You know, what's a formation anywhere? It's kind of you don't get it, but energy you get it. <laughs> you, know, you know what that is, uh, and. Is it true? Am I just making this up? <laughs> well, we, I come to this conclusion through being rather unsatisfied with formation. And then the, the, when you explore the text, as I've done at some length, the uh, Buddha says there are three. Or, uh, the texts say there are three. Kaya Sankara, the bodily Sankara, Chitta Sankara, the heart Sankara, and Vajji Sankara, the thinking, or the verbalizing, articulation Sankara. So, in other words, there's some something that's associated with body, it's also associated with the heart, it's also associated with uh, thinking. So, what's that? <laughs> and so, we look at this Jitta Sankara, well, Kaya Sankara is breathing in and breathing out. Okay. And Jitta Sankara is intentions, drives, impulses, uh, urges. You know. And Vajra Sankara is thinking, creating thoughts. So some, there's a creative force there. And uh, just again to remind people, the Buddha's instructions on mindfulness is on breathing, not on breath. Breath is 
suspiciously static concept, isn't it? <laughs> Breathing is not static. So we feel a little safer with that. It's actually what is said. Um, one is mindful of breathing in, breathing out. So that's not a fixed thing, is it? It's a constantly flowing thing. Does that mean it's energetic? Yes, it does. When the heart rises up with directions and uh, impulses to do this or do that, that's pretty energetic, isn't it? And you probably would recognize your thinking's fairly energetic too. <laughs> Spinning away. Yeah. So then, so then you think, well, this is not kind of a theory, a theoretical exposition of reality. It's actually a direct, directly apprehendable experience. And recognize the Buddha wasn't interested in presenting a map of the cosmos, not a philosopher, he was a pragmatician. And uh, just that which you directly experience. Why it's there doesn't matter. How we got here, who knows? We're here. This is happening. Get on with it. <laughs> yeah. And but there's also there are cases where the, the texts say, well, when one acts, one follows an unskillful. Kaya Sankara, or an unskillful Jitta Sankara, or an unskillful Vajji Sankara, unskillful results occur. One is, one is born, one arises in an unskillful world. Painful, afflictive impressions contact one. But if one acts in accordance with a skillful Sankara, then one arises in a skillful world context and Pleasant, you know, skillful, pleasant. So, what's an unskillful breath? <laughs> Surely they're not skillful, are they? are just breathing. Well, we actually take that and say, well, although it said, you know, breathing in and breathing out is a kind of sound kind, it doesn't mean it's the only one. But then we do recognize, yeah, when people get angry, there's a lot of body energy runs up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, intense energy runs up. People get impassioned. People get crazy under, you know, yeah, that's unskillful. What does it lead to? Well, at least the violence, unskillful, you know. Then unskillful, one lives in a violent realm. One lives in a violent reality. One experiences the pain of that. So that pretty much, then we start to see, oh, this means ethics also. And we talk of Chitta Sankara, one acts with an, on an unskillful heart energy, the energy of malevolence, deceitfulness, manipulation, exploitation, you know, those heart intentions, they give rise to unskillful results, and so on. So we're finding this quality of sankara then as a we might say uh, uh, bodily aspect heart aspect and even thinking aspect so when we start to unskillful thinking is what's that tangled inflictive self accusatory um, directing in the body and the mind the heart towards unskillful objects and sometimes goes crazy Mm-hmm. unskillful but when it is skillful then the speech that comes out is gentle appropriate harmonious worthwhile listening to <laughs> gives rise to good results unskillful is babbling deceitful accusative harsh unskillful results so this is pretty much now ethical as both ethical which in our kind of culture we tend to say this mental stuff which is sort of lives in this world of principles, in a world of sort of theoretical principles, like don't break the law. That's an idea, isn't it? You know? and, but that, so you, you can kind of learn what that is, but you don't directly experience it. You know? you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a principle. Right? So if ethics is principles, and 
body is a kind of meat and bones thing and completely different dimensions <laughs> right? then it's like well that just unifies it so ethics is not principles it's energies then you've got a very accurate subjective handle on it you're not looking at some code or law book that's going to tell you what to do you whoa that feels unskillful don't do it you know it Right? So you get very fine tuning because as we see, how many laws are there? Every year they create new ones. Criminality continues. <laughs> Governments act in criminal ways. Lawyers act in criminal ways. <laughs> Manipulative, you know. Uh, the letter of the law is often people get around ethics by using legal loopholes to avoid it. Toward, you know. So it doesn't work. It creates some more laws, and people find new loopholes through them. But when you understand the mind that searches for loopholes, you think, wait a minute, don't do that. That has no integrity in it. You know, you don't want to get away with things. You want to actually live with integrity. Not how can I get around this rule? And of course, you know, being a monk, you got, I got rules up to the eyeball. <laughs> Everywhere I got rules on everything. So you can end up kind of like, oh, this book says this, code 15, this resistance, this is rules. You're really just intense and always feeling, I might be breaking some rule I haven't read about yet, you know. Guilt and anxiety. And, but so, but actually when you start to contemplate, well, what's this got to do with liberation? If I'm constantly worrying about some law or rule or principle that I've got to remember in my head, I don't actually just sense what's going on in the heart. Well, I don't want to get a bit lazy or sloppy or in bad. It doesn't matter that kind of sweeping away of scruples. You know, everybody else does it. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know that. I know that one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know the one that I'm getting mine. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> And, uh, you know, these kinds of things that you sort of see, you know, is getting advantage over others. I know, you know, that one. And, uh, the attraction of, um, sense objects. Oh, well, that would be nice if I could find a way to get that one, you know, you know, that one. <laughs> as well as other forms of nastiness, you know, you sort of, you know, kind of, Bad mouthing people or something, you know, that one too. And you sort of sense you don't have to, uh, and you can generally find little ways around the laws or the rules, but you can't find a way out of your heart. Because <laughs> something you know is, I don't feel very good. <laughs> I mean, you sit and meditate, you know, you don't feel a bit, a bit grumpy. No, that's not right. So, you know, it takes some freshening up, not dismissing rules and laws, but they're there, you know, so you actually, because sometimes we just need something before we even begin to really notice an area of, that we haven't looked at and your intentions towards that. So I'm not dismissing them, but saying this is much finer and much more immediately apprehendable, sanditico, directly experienceable. Yeah. No, I know when I'm sort of pushing, manipulating, you know, backsliding, harsh, slippery, manipulative. No, no, not good. Because, you know, once you're committed to this particular work, this particular process, you realize, you know, this, this takes some doing. You don't want to be just messing it up through your own carelessness. <laughs> it's, it's difficult enough already <laughs> to work with the backlog and the habits. You don't want to add more to the, to the mix. So let's keep it as clear and clean as possible. And how can I know that? Well, you know, I can have all kinds of opinions about myself and I don't really trust those. You know, and people have different theories about ethics and right and wrong and so on. Yeah, so... But then when it lets you know in the heart and you can feel the effect in your body, 
so I feel a bit you know, shaky or tight or and so the two the two flow together, something else you begin to recognise. You know, you can't separate them. So when we, you know, when we act in certain ways and justifying ones, well, it was like everybody, and it doesn't really matter. And after all, no, I don't like that that voice. That's trying to cover something up, isn't it? <laughs> but then when I actually sense that that energy, you know, and you've got something, you're breathing. You can really, you once you get the breathing, energy of breathing steady then that heart quality that's not right that's not right mm. you can't breathe it it's not proper uh, so the, the breathing and the heart begin to moderate each other you know if your heart states are such that when you're breathing the heart state continually obstructs the breathing it's not right or it clouds it because we've learned to be casual or slippery or harsh or domineering or careless, you know, because the heart's what's going to be attending to the breathing. Now, if that heart is, is not is slippery or malevolent or harsh, it's not going to do a good job. So it does remind us, and it's an ongoing process. Sometimes we just don't really notice what we're doing, a habit, and this is where you learn, and tune it in. So then the body energy and the heart energy really work together to, to purify and clarify each other. In your thinking mind, almost certainly you realise it's, you know, day one of meditation, not day one, but hour one of meditation, this thinking mind is crazy. <laughs> Hopefully overcharged, incredibly overcharged, too much energy there, you've got to moderate it, and it you know, and it's just going all different directions. Wow. And you think, well, why is that? Well, look, because everything is written down. Everywhere, you know, if you go even through a retreat centre, which is a moderate, quiet place, you can't walk down that hall without seeing words. <laughs> and this is a quiet, moderated place. Most places are words screaming at you. There's media. There's, everything is stimulating the thinking mind. And there's a lot of instructions on what to do everywhere telling you what to do buy this go there don't do this stop this this is forbidden don't park your dog there it's kind of dong dong so all the time you're thinking 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 and then when you rest somewhere so you can read a book or you look at your screen do some more thinking <laughs> and then think about what you're going to do so you get a, a computer with an app on it which you've got to think about how to operate the thing and read the instruction manual, which is about 20 pages long and full of strange words. You don't know what they mean. So you can look up a dictionary and what that. This labour-saving device, you know. <laughs> and this is consult the manual. There's more thinking to get this thing going. And then it, so now you've got this thing going. Well, we'll, we'll you have this wonderful to-do list. If you've got to think about, you can now push a button and it'll pop up every morning. <laughs> This is a progress <laughs> to handle reality yeah. through the thinking mind. It's going to handle reality. You know, well, I want my thinking mind to handle reality. You know, I say, where, well, where does that go? Well, we can incredibly sophisticated and intelligent a realm of thought, analysis, and libraries, stuff with books, and information, and saturated, refined understanding of bosons, and quarks, and the moons of Saturn, and 
everything you can read. Wow, fancy that, you know, look at that, moon to sun, is that interesting? You know, what's that going to do you? <laughs> and learn about the microorganisms living under the Antarctic sheet. Oh, interesting. So there's all sorts of stuff. But what's this going to do for you? <laughs> and you think, well, listen, so we've developed that. And then you look at it and think, wow, how are we? How are we doing? Wars, climate crisis, famines, drug abuse, mental health declining, you know, standard mental health problems. Yeah. It could be a large list. You know, we, we can understand the nature of the boson and the electron and we can take photographs of Pluto but we can't live on the Earth. <laughs> we can't live. We can think. We can't live. or half-life driven through passion, desire, fear, anxiety imbalances of some kind or another we know a lot but we can't live we don't know how to do it unskillful mental formation So, you know, the heart of Chittasankara is the crucial one, really. That's where motivation lies. And so, Chitta is, is that which can be liberated, you can call it heart, simple word, awareness, mind. Yeah, let's not get into that. But that which leads you, that which you know, your emotional base, your intentional base, your ethical base, and which leads you the leader of your life. Quite important. <laughs> yeah. So then the formations, the way, the energies that come out of it are to be understood, moderated, carefully directed. Because that's where your actions are going to come from. And then we do that, clearly we get some instructions, and uh, we use the body to help. Now I do quite a bit, as you know, talking about bodily energy, and, um, partly because it's, it's, I think it's necessary for many reasons, just for, just for health. And also to help to counterbalance the head, the thinking energy. And fundamentally because the Buddha taught it as a means, primary means of meditation through which he realized whatever he realized. We know the only system of meditation he actually taught in detail was Anapanasati, mindfulness of breathing, if you call that meditation. And that seems to be the thing he was doing after many years of frustrating practices to sitting down and say, this is, this is pleasant, this is comfortable. There's a light happiness that comes with this. It's not associated with sense pleasure. My mind is collected on that. Why don't I investigate this? And so he did. And then he you know, jhana, and so on. So, there it is. And, um, 
So one needs a a fairly motivated mind to do that. And as he also said, I mean, some of these accounts may be, you know, fanciful, but, or figurative, and different accounts, but he said, well, having reviewed the kind of stress and turmoil of my life, you know, my worldly aims and ambitions reviewed that, and then seeing this is just not going anywhere, my mind became one-pointed, hikagata. Now, if we translate the word mind, chitta, as heart, it gives you a slightly different experience. Because now you're talking, this is my single motivation. This, this is pretty, quite a key thing. Because we may get the idea, one-pointed means you focus your attention on one particular point in your body. That seems to be one point. So you focus it on, say, your nostrils or your abdomen when you're breathing in and out. But the Buddha doesn't say that. That doesn't come in. It comes before meditation. It comes as he recollects. This is this, this is that, this doesn't, you know. I just stop all that and get focused. And it's a focus of the intention. My aim is this. Then I establish mindfulness. That comes before, not as a meditation technique, but as a channeling of his intentions, channeling of his uh, energy to this thing. So then it sits, root of a tree, seeing upright, and then sensing this breathing happening, in and out breathing. And again, as you consult the text, the Buddha never mentions any point in the body. In fact, he says, uh, one is mindful of breathing in, breathing out, how long it is, how short it is. Well, that's to do with not just the point. The point is neither long nor short, is it? <laughs> it's a flow. <laughs> right? So you might have a, probably start, you know, I guess the, the general theme is, this delivery is long because you get a sense of the whole system opening up. From a congested, contracted, tight state. So then the breathing comes in, then it comes to the point it begins to regulate your nervous system. And as the nervous system, things calm down, the breath quiets down. It's the short, short breathing, subtler, goes calmer. Because it's, you know, and then it says sensitive to the entire body. Well, again, no point there, is there? Breathing in, breathing out, the whole body. Or sabbakaya. Now, you know, that's not an airflow, is it? You don't get any airflow in your fingers. In fact, the airflow experience is limited. Just the nose, back of the throat maybe. Well, that's not the entire body. So thoroughly tuned in to the sensitive to, tuned into the entire body. And let's just get the sense of the entire body as a subjective experience. Well, it's not going to come through your eyes because you can't see your back, but you can feel it. And your chest and your ribs, your shoulders and your arms, your face, your knees, thighs. Externally, you get a kind of impression of it, and because the body, the internal and external aspects of the body are pretty close, much closer than the mental aspects, when you get the whole, you could say the skin layer, which we can tune into because the skin, all the skin is a sense organ, so every bit of it can be giving signals, right? So you can, with a bit of practice, you can get 
considerable area of your skin sensitivity. Just imagine you're taking a shower. You don't have to go, there's my nose, my ears, my chest, my knees. Whole <laughs> lot in one go, right? Because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a single organ. <laughs> Just a big one. So then, but then as we sense that, of course the nature of the body is that its internal aspect, which is this dynamic reactive aspect, is very closely attuned to what's happening in the skin. Because, clearly, it's a matter of life and death, isn't it? You know, what, what's touching your skin could be pretty nasty. <laughs> or it could be very pleasant. So you get an immediate, you know, sort of internal vibration with it. Whereas you can look at something, it's not necessarily looking at you, and it's generally 20 metres away or something. So what? But you can't touch something without it touching you. So this means, how's this? So your internal stuff lights up. Pleasant, painful, how's this? What's happening? You know. <laughs> and so we come to even the external aspect, the skin aspect of it. And then how does that feel? Well, for a start, it's actually quite nice to feel the whole body because you're no longer in this tight, constricted zone. And you're responding to feeling it rather than thinking about it. How does it feel? So the mind has to go quiet. Thinking mind has to go quiet. And spend time just doing that. Because every now and then your mind blips off somewhere. Wait a minute. Hands, fingers, chest, back. Whole thing. Standing in the shower. Ah, oh, rather pleasant. Open. Rather pleasant to be open. Right here. Nothing to do. Just enjoy <laughs> having a shower. <laughs> so, so we, then this is then soothing the kaya sankara. So, using my interpretation, it means those bodily energies which could be quite tangled or jumpy, just through the process of this steady rhythmic tide moving through, they all begin to tune in, rather like a, you know, a flock of sheep. You get one or two go and they all start to follow it. So the, you know, the the breathing is the biggest sheep in the in the pack. <laughs> so they all look at all games going that way. So they all start to follow it. If it's all, and so your main practice is, is connecting it all. Make sure those sheep know where the big sheep is. You know, to kind of scold them, just there's a very nice sheep. <laughs> it's calm. It doesn't not bullying. It's, it's pleasant. It happens by itself. You don't have to do it. Get on. Get with it. You know. And you know, you know, this is totally blameless. Nothing violent, nasty, manipulative about this. So you know, oh yeah. So it starts. You connect to that. That's why it's called thoroughly sensing the entire body. And the body energy start to know. Okay, what does knowing mean? They sense. And they begin to, you know, gather around this current. So this is where we, as many of you, or a few of you say, you get energy blocks and so forth. Well, that's what's, yeah, that's that's the problem. And this is kind of the way we, well, at least in meditation, this process tries to offer support for that. Whatever's blocked is a frozen energy. It needs to get something warm flowing next to it. 
continually flowing next to it, not telling it to do anything, not squeezing it, not investigating it, not trying to release it, just flow next to it and then maybe the black sheep will join the other ones <laughs> in due course of time. As you know, if you've got a you know, school, you've got a kid in the classroom who's sulking or petulant, you don't, you just say, okay, just leave him be, and we'll just go on with playing our games, and maybe you'll get over it and come and join us. You, know? <laughs> you can't say, cheer up. I don't want to cheer up. <laughs> so you just kind of, well, here's a nice warm place. Whenever you're ready, you're welcome. So it's kind of like that. He's blocked things. But what you don't do is think about them. Because that thinking, which we tend to see as abstract, right, in words, it's just little squiggles on a piece of paper, it's items on a screen, word is just an abstract, immaterial thing. No, it's not. There's an energy there. There's an energy in thinking. Speedy, to swirling, jumping. Do you notice that? Jump, 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 jump. Scurrying, uh, dithering, like, uh, don't know, maybe this, go round and round. Could be, uh, maybe, should I, what? I've forgotten, uh, round and round. You notice that? <laughs> and then, this is it! <laughs> Straight ahead. <laughs> do, you notice, do you notice those? Now, whatever the words are saying, can you just contemplate the movement of thought? Right? Now, there's, there's a lot of energy there, and it's it's pretty um, zany. It's pretty crazy because it can just flip and scurry and slide. So yeah, you don't want to start. You want to actually moderate. So if you training in thinking, you say, okay, this just, just look, just just kind of use one word and just hold it there, breathing. That's enough. No, that's enough. <laughs> now just listen. How's that? Don't think too much. It just it was kind of, it's not a complicated thing. Do it again. Can you be very minimal? Breathing. Just so that your attention goes there. Nothing more. Just so that your attention goes there. That's all. And then listen. Just, that's enough. Listen, we're so used to thinking, telling us everything about reality and what we should do. It really takes quite a bit of relaxing and releasing to get it that minimal. Because we're steeped in it, as you know. So, the training, minimal, minimal, light, light, light. Touch it lightly. Listen a lot. Doesn't matter if you get it wrong. Do it again. And all you're really doing is just touching. I think they probably had a lot easier at the time of the Buddha. They didn't have that many words around. <laughs> Mostly sense creatures, sense beings who felt things. But with some practice and skill, you can find somewhere in that tide of breathing, you, you get it. You get that, ooh, in, you get that out. And so, but then the kind of attention you see that's not on one particular point is, is slightly different because instead of like a tacking your attention onto a fixed point, it's more like you're holding a focus through which breathing can pass. We're holding a space through which breathing can pass, that rhythm can pass. So it's a slightly different kind of attention, rather like surfing, you know, because the thing you're on is dynamic and your aim is to just balance on the present, not where it's going, not where it has been, but now. And that requires thinking, doesn't do that. Thinking wants a fixed point. 
That's why it has to run around so much because there aren't any fixed points. <laughs> but the heart can manage movement because the heart is attuned to rhythm, breathing, music. Rhythm is life. Isn't it? Life is rhythmic. It's that flow, tide flow. So heart is totally attuned to that. It's actually attracted to rhythm. You know? You start doing something rhythmic, everybody picks it up. So the rhythm is, is heart tuning, but it's not that fixed point. It's more like a steady attunement to a flow. It's quite light. But that means that your heart qualities are tuned to to sense that lightness, receptivity. And this is, of course, where the whole you know other aspects of the Buddhist training comes around. We talk about sense restraint, which is not sort of attractive term. So if you say, well, this, this retreat is going to be on relinquishment of pleasure and sense restraint. Why did nobody turn up? <laughs> Actually, what it means is you can sense, you know, it doesn't mean we don't see anything. It means you know how your energy rushes out? And what, what gives sense objects their power? Because their heart rushes out to them right? and colours them, you know. And, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's so blatant, isn't it? You know, you look at a car, it's got incredible smooth curves and flowing lines. What one of those? It is there designed to attract the heart rushes out to it. It's a new one, glossy, shiny. It's just metal, greasy, you know, polluting mechanism, burning up oil, made of metal, but it looks like the most seductively wonderful, glamorous thing in the world. <laughs> and then, you know, actually. You can't have it, can you? You can sit inside it, look out the window. What happened to the car? It's gone. <laughs> it don't look good when you're standing outside the showroom as a visual object, but the physical reality is just sitting somewhere else, scenery going by, thinking about where I should be, <laughs> worrying. Gone. So the glow factor is a particular angling of sensory data uh, with things that will, it will suggest suggest something to the heart what they suggest is this means pleasure this means comfort this means excitement this means sex this means glamour this means mystique this means charisma these kind of messages and you know, wow, it's not rational. It's very powerful. As I go through these airport lounges, you see some of the presentations, particularly whiskey, which actually, so it's, there's always some kind of guy looking a bit cool, a bit of stubble, gaunt cheeks, holding up a glass of whiskey, looking really cool, and looking mystic, mystic you know, he's got, he's got some got some mode he's got he's cool you know he's got some mystique this fellow he's got lots of whiskey I want to be like him <laughs> <laughs> or he's on some kind of amazing tropical island with his bottle of Bacardi rum and think, wow fantastic I want to be like that you know or the slogans I think I was looking at one we looked at one when we came in it was I think for this whiskey and it said the whiskey that, that never stops moving wasn't it <laughs> 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 the whiskey bouncing around. <laughs> 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 
never stay still. It never stays still. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? You know, <laughs> I guess it's kind of dynamic, vigorous. It's actually totally ludicrous. <laughs> Yet it means kind of rhythmic, happy, singing, cheerful, completely nonsensical stuff. But it goes straight to the heart. And what it says then, so remember the heart doesn't use words, doesn't use it, but it does handle perceptions. And perceptions, these felt impressions, like this will make you feel special, this will make you feel wonderful, this will make you feel like you're the coolest, most magnificent person. This will make you feel you can associate with other cool, magnificent people, or in cool, magnificent places. You know, buy one of these. And you end up living in, in your not magnificent little apartment with not magnificent people, not feeling magnificent. <laughs> but then you look for the next thing. So that's what it does, isn't it? And that, what happens when that glow, when the heart gets that message, its heart, its energy runs out. Yeah, I must get that. Intention is lit up. I must have, I must, I want, I want. And of course, negative things, you know, things that make us feel horrible, disgusting. So, so you think, well, actually, it's the energy running out is the problem. What about if the energy was not run out? So how do you do that? So, you know, just kind of cutting things off isn't adequate. Because you've still got the energy, right? So just going blind isn't going to help you. Living in a dark room isn't going to help you. Because they'll just run off into mental energy. You start fantasizing and mind fantasizing this out or the other. It can be very dangerous, actually. Mental energy, heart energy. We start remembering things we should have done or something, perceptions of ourselves and others and the nature of the universe. All that high energy runs out into the into the mental domain, which is vast. So well, actually, why don't you bring it back to the breathing? So, enjoying breathing, sensing the calm, sensing the vitality, sensing life given to you every moment free gift vitality moving through you enjoy enjoy it let your heart enjoy it mm-hmm. so you begin to as is then it says this you experience pity pity sukha pity a sense of rapture or it's a quiet joy, quiet tingling. Heart feels fresh, tingling, bright. Sukha, ease, no pressure, no big drive, no intensity. No, got to get to the next step. Just enjoy ease all the time in the world. That's, there it is. That's mindfulness of breathing. <laughs> the opening sections of it. Then sensitive to the citta sankara. Sensitive to that heart energy and how it moves and how crucial it is. And soothing. The Chitta Sankara. Soothing it. Soothing it. Not eliminating it, soothing it. So this is uh, moving through the process. And this can be done, you know, so breathing is there. So how do we do something? Now this is, again, this is where the idea of, of breath as a material physical object it's not going to move into the heart. As I said, we have this sense of different realities, a physical one, which is kind of 
meat and bones and stuff like that. And then notions and ideas and then sort of emotions somewhere in the middle of it. You see them all as a range of energies, right? From the, I might say, dense energy, which is the materiality, fluid energy, bright energy, and hard energy, to somewhat more spacious and refined energy. So you go, it's all in the same spectrum. <laughs> it's all in the same energy spectrum from just like light, you know, different spectrum, X-ray to infrared, and we've got a range. So you don't have to stop one and go to the other, but as your breathing process, which is energetic, comes comes calm, and your heart bonds to it, the two begin to merge. And that's called samadhi, the merging. So the heart and the breathing really merging together so so then the quality of PT is both as an emotional tone to it but it has a bodily tone to it because it's the merging of the two right and you probably recognize this you know when you see something you love how your skin brightens up your eyes brighten you see it yourself, you see it in others. Oh yeah, and it lights up. Is that right? And now it goes cloudy and dark. Dark heart, cloudy skin, and it brightens and opens up. So they're not separate. They can become separate. If they do, that's a problem. And you see a good amount of that around too. People have just split completely split into different realities. Pretty dangerous. You know, you could say is in some ways a root factor for the destruction that human beings are doing. They don't feel things through the heart of what's going on. They think about it. And the material aspect is just there to be exploited. You know, thinking mind is ideas, material reality, exploit it, you know, and heart missing altogether. That's the split, fractured. So it's got big implications, this. Big implications, bringing it together. So this is not me, you know, sharp focusing my mind on one point to get it concentrated so I'd ignore the rest of the world which is a kind of, you know, slightly caricaturing what people sometimes say about meditation. You know, you sort of look at your navel to help with everybody else. You know, screwing your mind up. But it's not the teaching. You know, it's a process of the heart and the body and the thinking mind being moderated, subdued, trained, feeling it, feeling joy, ease. Now, when the mind, when the heart is in joy and ease, do you think there could be any unskillful motivations happening? <laughs> I don't think so. When the heart is in joy and ease, do you think there can be arguing, fighting, hating, discord, grasping, manipulation? I don't think so. <laughs> I never noticed it. When the heart is calm and ease, you just feel a sense of gratitude, love. And it starts to radiate. Warm feeling happens by itself, not because you're trying to do some metta. <laughs> it just kind of happens. Why, why shouldn't it? That's the nature of the heart. That's what it, that's what it lives with. That's his that's his, that's his living reality when it's healthy. It, it's it, it, that's his breath. <laughs> the breath of the heart is love. Hmm. Uh, so 
then of course this, this domain is either trivialized as love is just a you know romance or something or the other or burst of passion so how these things all get twisted and distorted a sense restraint then the sense restraint and it is collected and energy high energy as it's purified because it's not crippled by the bodies being so tight and dead that your heart can't move <laughs> two energies do work together high energy body energy so if your body energy is all messed up and your heart it could be the same it's not a, not something wrong with you as a person it just means there's, a, there's just a, a complete logic to it you know if your body energy is all twisted up I'm sorry you're just not going to get very good heart qualities going <laughs> you know it's nothing it's not a personal thing it's just that it's just that's the system and if the body is released from those afflictive tensions and constrictions heart's going to open and then, then you, so the Buddha's saying things like well when I do this I find with a practice mindfulness of breathing it's very, it refreshes my eyes there's a point where he says that he's not focusing on his nostrils is he there's no air blowing in and out of his eyes <laughs> clearly it's the vitality of the body and sometimes I'm just touched on it just as you're breathing out just do you know think outside the box of what you think breathing is feel the vitality in your skin and round the eye sockets let them be bathed again the eyes are quite crucial because they often have this tight focus on them and that the energy of that tight focus is felt in the body and it's felt in the heart there's an energy in the in the mind the focusing so if the focusing is tight you'll get a sense of tightness in the body and that will give you tightness in the heart and the attitude is when it's like that and I'm certainly plenty of people I've got to concentrate my mind doesn't concentrate I've got to hold it still my mind won't behave I've got to try to concentrate and you can almost feel you know you hear those words and you, you know Oh God! No. Where do we start with this one? You know, like would you like to do some African dancing or something? <laughs> 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 well, I know one fellow who did. He's been so tight on this one pointed thing, so tight trying to be notice every mind moment, tighter and tighter and tighter. And one is doing his, I'm trying to get to every. My note every mind moment, and at one point his mind just said no. <laughs> and he just said no. He just he just said no. <laughs> and it, it took him one. He, had to, he just started doing things like limbo dancing just to get some some flow back. So then, yeah, you see that. So I certainly, you know, and the study goes out of out of fashion because if we're doing that, people don't they don't want to do that. They're already tight enough already. We're going to loosen, but you don't want to be sloppy, casual. So there's a sense in which there's a moderated loosening through the breathing and through the body, the heart begins to open. You feel happy. And that's that's the teaching. So the Buddha famously says, "Well, you know, when you cultivate proper ethical standards, then your heart is free from regret, guilt, remorse. When it's free from regret, remorse, you'll feel clean and glad. When you're clean, feel like that, your body will start to feel comfortable. When your body is feel comfortable, relaxed, your mind will be happy, your heart will be happy." When your mind is happy, it is concentrated <laughs> by itself.
is the happy person's heart is concentrated, it is samadhied, it's collected around its own happiness. Right? So then the, the, constant, the samadhi is not focused on an object, samadhi is a state of collected energy that is happy. <laughs> so then it covers everything, ethics, relationships, respect, restraint, moderation, body, it covers everything. Uh, so you can, you're not going to be doing mindfulness of breathing all day, but every, all the time you can keep track of your energy, and when your heart's running out, when your head's thinking is taking over, you know, bring yourself back, you can walk, you can stand, it's, it's all, all going to build up to what we have to do to free ourselves from these burdens and constrictions and addictions that we've got inducted into. Mm. So let's take some time to um, simulate any of that. Much of it seems relevant for you. Um, so you know you don't have to do the whole thing, but, but you're just kind of getting just how you, what kind of focus is needed to sense something rhythmic. Walking is rhythmic. Walking's not your feet, the whole body walks. What kind of focus covers all of that, the whole body walking? Yeah. And when we get to the whole body walking, it's not legs, it's not feet, it's, it's, the, whole, it's the sense of everything flowing cohesively. Right? What is it that flows cohesively? Your body energy is flowing cohesively. That's, that's your theme. So, walking, standing, sitting, life is good.